All right, so we are getting close to the conclusion of our series on um, uh, enough. And if you remember, we started clarifying uh, John chapter 6 that Jesus is enough. Jesus is what uh, we need. It is the only thing that will be enough for our fulfillment, for our salvation, for our redemption. Jesus is the only thing that is enough for us. And we spend our entire life trying to justify ourselves, trying to give our life meaning through the things of this world. And it's never going to be enough. And we kind of come full circle because last week we talked in Malachi about how when God has enough, when God has had enough of sin and suffering and pain uh, that we cause, cause each other, we talked about times throughout, Noah was an example where God says the sin is just so great. More people are suffering uh, than ever before. And he just finally says, enough. Times when Israel was, um, the Israelites were rebellious and disobedient and unfaithful and idolatrous over and over again. And he finally said, okay, I'll, I'll hand you over. If this is what you choose, here you go. And they suffered the consequences of their choices. And so, and there will be a time when God has had enough in this world and, and he will come and he will, as he said in Malachi, his name will be great and you will see the God of justice and he will uh, implement his justice and his judgment and we will see that. But as we heard in Malachi last week, there's a problem. They, they were railing against God's, where's the God of justice? It seems like evil's winning and bad people are doing good. We want to see the God of justice. We want people to get what they deserve. He goes, really? Do you want to, everyone to get what they deserve? And if we're smart, we're like, no, I don't want, I, I want, I want mercy. I want grace. And he says, that's the reality. No one can stand in the light of my justice. And so he sent Jesus as the refiner's fire, the fire that would go before the judgment fire and, and all those that are in Christ that are marked in their hearts with the blood of the lamb, um, God's judgment would pass over. And so we have that opportunity in Christ but the problem is, we have to receive it. And I think churches nowadays um, in our culture, in our country, have altered the message so it's user-friendly. And, and we, we miss out. And, and what the other aspect of Malachi is, what, what was God telling them? He was getting onto them because they were just going through the motions. Remember the sacrifices, the things that tell God how they honor him and how they trust him and how they love him. They were just giving him the disease, the extra, the stuff they didn't really want anyway. You, you ever know, that's kind of what we do subconsciously, right? There's a story about a lady during Thanksgiving who had a turkey in her freezer for like 20 years. And so she called the Thanksgiving hotline and she goes, would this still be good? And they said, well, you could probably eat it, but it's probably not going to taste very good. She goes, that's what I thought. I'll give it to my church. <laughs> right? 
We kind of, we kind of give God what's left over. And we talked about what does that tell God about our relationship? God doesn't need a perfect sheep. He can make a perfect sheep. What we give him of ourselves, of our valuables, of our things, tells him where our relationship is. And we've talked about how so many Christians are just going through the motions. Church is something that they check off. I was talking to Zach Hobbs about something before, and I was like, you know, if Christians are just going through the motions, if church is just a thing they check off on their list, eventually the problem with going through the motions is you will fall away. If it's just about church, church people are going to bug you. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to annoy you. Um, And I'll be honest, if it was just about church, I wouldn't be here. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the transformation that it brings. And so many people are just going through the motions because I think we've watered down the message to be just a self-help program. And we want to make it easy. Uh, you know, I've heard from things to, about, uh, oh, we need to get people in there. Let's have a 30-minute service. Let's have drive-through communion. Let's do all these things just so we can you know, check them off the box on our end. You know, the, I was sharing with the board and uh, the staff that, and I might have said this in here last week, but church is going to be different in our country, in our culture. It's not, I just read an article, it's not going to be about butts in the seats anymore. It's going to be about what kind of Christian community do you have? How invested are you in your Christian community? Because that's what's going to determine the quality of a church. And the writer of this article said, that's the way it's always supposed to have been. In the beginning, when things took off, it was all about these little Christian communities in the outside world. How they took notice was they said, look how they love one another. I believe somebody said that's our biggest witness. It was Jesus for those wondering who said it. (laughs) That's our biggest witness. But we have to get back to preaching the gospel And even the hard parts, because there is hard parts of the gospel. You know, I I just kind of told you everything that needed to be done for our salvation, for our redemption, so that we can stand in the face of God's justice has been done by Jesus Christ on the cross. It's nothing that we have to do. Right? And, and that's, that's the powerful message of the gospel, but what we've added to it, and I've said it myself, that God has done everything he needs to do for your forgiveness and redemption on the cross. It is done. It is, Jesus says, it is finished. All, this is what I said that I have said, and we say, all you have to do is receive it. That sounds great, doesn't it? That's not true. Well, it is, but it's going to be painful. Because we have to go to the darkest parts of ourselves. You know, uh, Chad Bird in this book that I'm reading, he says that we have turned Jesus into half cheerleader, half life coach. 
that is there just rooting us on and encouraging us to be the best we can be. And he said, the problem with this is that that becomes all about our self-fulfillment, all about our self-accomplishment. Does that sound what, like what Jesus teaches? It's all about you. No, it's not. And the thing is that Jesus did not go to the cross to make a better version of your old natural worldly self. He didn't go to the cross just to make a better sin, sinful you. And that's what we boiled it down to. We make a few changes on the outside and we just spruce ourselves up and say, oh, I'm better. So you might not smoke anymore, but you're still the same SOB you've always been. Can you say SOB on, on the pier? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? We, we make these little subtle changes to the outside of us and we miss the transformation that Jesus went to the cross to give us. A whole new life. He didn't go to the cross that I could be a better version of the old Jim McClurg. He went to the cross to make a whole new version, a new creation to turn me inside out, upside down. And that doesn't happen Easily. Because we have to face ourselves. Jesus came to start over. Jesus can't fix us the way we are. He has to start over. He has to make a, a, a new creation in us. That's why we receive the Holy Spirit. It's not about us trying harder, being better, Thinking more positively, or recently the big phrase was finding our own truth. I don't want my own truth. I've tried that. That does not work. It's about becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. And in order for us to do that, it tells us that we must die. Our scripture, if you were ever wondering if I was getting to it, is Matthew chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will find it. We must lose our life in order to become this transformation, this new creation. And that's not an easy process. That's why so many times people will, you hear these testimonies about these truly transformed people that they bottomed out in life, either financially or in their relationships or drugs and alcohol, you name it, whatever it was, but they just reached a point that they couldn't deny it anymore. They bottomed out. And you know what? Best thing that ever happened to him. See, I don't think the devil wants us to bottom out. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to just crash and burn. He wants us to just stay like the people in Malachi. He wants us to just go through the motions. 
He wants us, our relationships never to be all they can be. He wants our relationship with Christ to never be all it can be. And that we receive never, none of the blessings that we're supposed to receive to the fullness that we receive them. And if he knows if we bottom out, there we're going to find Jesus and Jesus is going to find us. And so he just wants us to kind of go along. But it is in our failures. It is in our weakness. This is the upside-down truth of the Scriptures. Let me give you just a few examples. You know this, that in our weakness, we are strong. In order to be a leader in God's kingdom, you have to be a servant. In order to live, you must die. In order to have victory, you must surrender. Those are the upside-down truths that we need to live into. And so we, if it's best for us to bottom out, then we need to bottom out. As I said, the devil just kind of wants us to go along, to limp along um, and just kind of suffer with it. I have this shoulder injury that I got in high school football my senior year. I was a good football player, I was a linebacker, but my problem was I had a track body. And I went against our third string linebacker. I was starting linebacker. And I went, and he was this stout little guy. He, he was from Hawaii. We called him Pineapple. And boy, he was just built and compact. And I went up against him, and I hit him square on, and he didn't move, and my shoulder went, ugh. And it got better. But to this day, I have problems with it. Every now, I mean, it'll hurt if I sleep on it wrong, if I do something wrong. Every now and then I'll lift to reach something and my, my um, shoulder will sound like, like it has brackets in there. It goes, that's not normal. But you know what? It's never gotten too bad. So I just live with it. I'm used to pain and aching. I'm used to some strange noises every now and then. If it got really bad, you know what I'd do? Fix it. See, that's what the devil wants us to do. He just wants us to waller in our mediocrity, in our illusions of self. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to bottom out. And that's why we need to embrace our failures. We need to embrace our weaknesses. That's that truth. When we, are, when we try to pretend we're strong, we go out on our own. We, we, we ignore our faults and our weaknesses, and nothing ever gets fixed. We, this church is the place where you bring your weakness, where you embrace your failure, because as I said, it is in my failure, it is in my struggle, it is in my reality that I will find Jesus, and Jesus will find me. God, Jesus didn't die to make us a better version of the old self. You know, our cell phones, I have an Android. Um, But every time I get a new phone, they go, oh, this one's so much. This is like Android 999. I say, oh, what's so great about it? It's cameras better, all right? iPhones too, right? It's cameras better. Basically, it's the same old phone. You got a better camera. Jesus didn't die just to make us better. 
But in order to do that, we must die to ourselves. And how we die, sometimes that's painful when we look at the weakest parts of us. Try this sometime. Be as honest with yourself as you can and write down your weaknesses. I'm insecure. I have anxiety. I'm narcissistic. Whatever it is, just be as honest as you can. And if you've exhausted that list, ask your spouse. (laughs) They'll help you out. And the thing is, we shouldn't be running from those things. When what our society and even our church culture has us do now is we put on our best church face and we lift up our strengths and we lift up the things that we're good at and the areas that we don't have trouble in. And the problem when we amplify those, we overshadow the weaknesses and that's the purpose and they just kind of fade into the background and they never get dealt with. And so we just stay in that just going through the motions. And we missed the full blessing God has for us. That's probably the biggest frustration as a pastor. Yeah, and I'm not, if we got in a conversation and I began to tell you my weaknesses, they're going to be pretty accurate because I don't tend to hide from them. Because I know it's only bringing them out and, and embracing them and looking at them. Do they have a chance of being transformed? that Jesus can turn it around. So if you do that as an exercise, try to do that. Write them down. What do I need to face? What do I need to embrace? It might be painful, but you got to pick up your cross and you got to pick up those things that are on your cross and take them to Jesus and die to yourself. That's the only way to have new life in Christ is if you die to your old self. And the more fully and completely you do that, the more fully and completely will you receive the fulfillment and the blessings that you get through a relationship with Jesus Christ who makes us a new creation. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience when I try to act stronger than I am. Lord, when I try to be something that I'm not. When I seek to sit at the front of the table when I should approach it from the side of the table. That I should take the least seat. Lord, I thank you for your patience. Help us all to be honest with ourselves that we might die more fully and completely with ourselves, that we might live more fully and completely in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.